five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. the uh, ultra smooth sounds of boss gags here on k y a t also known as chaos what's going on boys and girls next hour we'll have robbie dupree steely dan and of course michael mcdonald the smooth cool and breezy sounds of yacht to keep you chilled out on these very hot summer days all right what's happening we're here Good morning. I'm drawing in the feline world for my inspiration today. An army of cat warriors. That's what we need in this world. Actually, it's a it's a kind of a motivational tool for Jasper. He's coming around. He's Jasper is coming around slowly. He's he's beginning to find himself little by little in his post-rosy world. So I'm, I'm using this as kind of a talisman in the background uh, so that, um, I don't know, some kind of virtual voodoo kind of effect, right? To bring him into the fold. Last night I was watching the uh, opening to um, The Long Goodbye by the way, welcome to the show. It's 15 Minutes of Flame. If you're listening on the podcast side of things, welcome to the podcast. If you're watching on the visual side of things, I will get to you in one sterling minute and uh, see who's in Chataria. But I was watching the uh, the beginning of The Long Goodbye, which is, a I, I like the movie. I think it's weird. It's a weird movie. It's Robert Altman's take on the, noir the noir thriller it's a, a typical oddball altman movie and uh elliot gould plays uh philip marlowe and his character is kind of dis disassociative i saw a pretty good analysis of the movie last night where there's like this crossover between willard waking up in the bed now willard wakes up in the bed i'm talking about willard in not the rat but Willard in Apocalypse Now. Willard wakes up in the bed in Vietnam. And he talks about his mission. You know, that famous opening scene in Apocalypse Now. He punches the mirror. A scene that predates that from 1974 is Marlowe, um, played by Elliot Gould in The Long Goodbye. He wakes up in his bed. And it's like he's a disheveled man out of time. 
a totally disheveled man out of time. And then he's out of sync with the, the days and the time that he's in. It's kind of an interesting take and concept of the character in the movie, which is completely like a lot of Altman films. I like some Altman films. I don't like all of Altman's movies. I think MASH is brilliant. Another, he used Elliot Gould at least three times that I know of. I think California Split is actually pretty, pretty, uh, a pretty, not a decent movie, a good movie, almost a very good movie. And the strange relationship he has with George Siegel in that movie and gambling. Anyway, I'm going to play you, by the way, that song, Jojo, you know, you know what that song is about. It's about a fucking Coke dealer. A lot of those Yacht Rock songs, not all of them, but a lot of the ones that David Foster was producing, which I believe he produced, Jojo, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe Bill Champlin from the Sons of Champlin was doing the, uh, wrote the lyrics. But that's about a Coke dealer. Jojo is a Coke dealer. And Boss Gags is pimping himself out. He's got the, he's got the leisure suit on. Boss Gags had at least three careers. He has a career with uh, coming out of Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. And he was buddies with Steve Miller. You know, they were guitar players. They were into the blues. Somebody throw me a line. Kind of a famous early Boss Gags blues tune. I grew up in the Bay Area. Boss Gags was really big there. And then he goes through that whole Silk Degrees period where he kind of remakes himself into this disco icon. And he's extremely popular during that period. Lido Shuffle and all that stuff. And then he kind of moves into the yacht scene with uh, David Foster and Jay Graydon and uh, that whole crew. Interesting career. And he has a, I don't know if he still has it, but he opened Slim's, which was his nightclub in San Francisco. I've seen many shows at Slim's. So there you go, little little Boss Gags breakdown. Oh, is that a Boss Gags song? Breakdown. All right, I want to play you the uh, opening scene from uh, from the Long Goodbye. I want to play the whole thing. So this is uh, this is the opening sequence from the long goodbye. And there's a reason why I'm sharing this on a number of number of levels. I promise we'll get to the more serious stuff today. All right, here we go. So here's Elliot Gould, Philip Marlowe, and this is the beginning of the movie, The Long Goodbye. Waking up in his apartment. Here we go. Played this for Jasper last night to inspire him. Uh, 
hungry, huh? This cat hitting all his marks. Yeah, I see empty cans, empty cans. Okay, let's mix you up just one of the famous concoctions. because they don't get enough to eat. Don't believe that one, huh? Okay, okay, okay. Look at that, look at that. Curry's brand cat food. You clawed me, you son of a bitch. Why didn't you go home to India? Wanna help me up with that jacket? All right, so now he's gonna go out and get him cat food. And he winds up going to the, uh, the market. And this is the beginning of the movie. We're going to skip past this. There's uh, Jim Bouton as Terry Lennox. Jim Bouton, of course, being the former Major League Baseball player. All right, so here he is. He's at the... Now, by the way, if you've ever seen The Big Lebowski, which is another takeoff on the the noir crime genre, where where uh, the dude is actually a version of Philip Marlowe. A lot of people don't understand that. And the scene in The Big Lebowski where he gets up out of his apartment to go buy uh, cream for his uh, white Russians is a takeoff on the cat food scene here, both in LA, both at markets, both late at night, but a little bit and cats drink milk, right? I mean, theoretically, or, or cream. So it's another kind of in-joke here. And um, so let's, I think this is, um, I think that's his car. And even this idea that the car is from another time. You know, it's, it's like it's like Philip Marlowe is this character from the, like the 1940s. Because that's really when these uh, novels were written. And it's almost like he's transported into the 1970s he's trying to 
kind of figure everything out. I mean, even look at the car, the car. So this is kind of the attention to details that, that uh, directors have with certain movies. And then you're going to see the, the clerk here reinforce um, the idea of this car. All right, so let's keep going. Marlowe, the lights in your car are on. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Can you recognize the thing? That's uh, Jim Bowden. Jim Bowden, who plays a shitbag. All right, here we go. Super buy. Extra discount. 21 cents for macaroni. They could be lovers until they die. Jim Bowden plays a good scumbag in this movie. There are people in Major League Baseball who would think that he was a scumbag. Okay, here's the scene, the cat food scene. Curry brand cat food. The what? Curry brand cat food. Hey, it happens to be the only kind of food. Yeah, Curry brand. C O U R. Oh, oh, we're all of that. Curry Why brand. Don't you get this, Mister. All this shit is the same anyway. Oh yeah, you don't happen to have a cat by any chance? What do I need a cat for? I got a girl. He's got a girl and I got a cat. All right. So the cat in that scene is none other than the famous Morris the Cat. That was Morris the Cat's film debut. And and, and a an amazing debut it, it was. He'd already had 30 commercials under his collar by the time uh, he uh, was really pretty much the star of the opening scene in the long goodbye. Now Morris would go on to do another uh, crime thriller, Seamus with Burt Reynolds and Diane Cannon. So I've been, I was thinking about Morris and what an impactful cat he's been on our society. You know, he ran for president as well. He did run for president. I think it was in, um, 2000 and was it 2004? I think he ran for president in 2004. There's been three Morrises, by the way, but there's only really that, you know, that Morris is the cat who really is the star of uh, The Long Goodbye. He steals, totally steals that scene from Elliot Gould. Anyway, I checked and Morris the Cat does not have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Did you know that? No star from Morris the Cat. How can that be? Two major motion pictures, uh, an illustrious career as the spokescat for uh, Nine Lives, Purina Corporation. It just makes no sense to me at all. No sense at all. In fact, I don't think there's any cats on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. There are two two dogs, of course, Lassie and... Uh, Rinse in 10, but no cats. A grave injustice. We might look into this one of these days soon as part of our deep dive and investigative. Is, is there something, do they have something against cats on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? By the way, you know how you get on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? You have to be nominated. And then they, they vote you the nominations in. Now, once you're accepted, 
and you got to come up with $55,000. Why the hell has Purina not nominated Morris the Cat? I don't understand this. They have plenty of money to uh, make it happen, right? Jeez. The world might be going to shit, but getting Morris's star in the Walk of Fame could write everything. All right. Let's get into uh, you guys. See what's up, Chataria. Let's see what you're what you up to. Who do we have here today? Uh, let's see. There's my man Tom. Good morning. DJ MC. That's Michael Sister Nino. Hope to see you this year, Michael. It's been a while. Debisu checking in from across the water. Good to see you. Catherine Kramer, double K. Back in action. There's my man, Ryan. Michael Pafford. Hello. How are you? Good to see you, Michael. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Um, bu- 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 Ryan's checking in and tapping out. We'll see you later, Ryan. There's Chad. What's happening, Chad? We have an official Chad in our chat. Good to see you. Miss Nakia is here. What's going on? CC Jones. Hello, Fran. Let's see. Cosmic Online Class. It's what we do our best to do here. We're here to educate and elevate and uh, sometimes hilariate. You know, the, the hilariation. Some people get the education. Some people get the hilariation. Hucklebuck411. What's going on, Huckle? Wendy says, one of my faves. She's here. Good to see you, Kelly B. What's going on, Kelly B? We got a lot, a lot of virtual hugs in the uh, in the chat, Taria. Love it. Om, om. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Om, om. Jake Kaiser. What's going on, G to G? Who truly is the GOAT? Um, does anyone else follow Champo Monkey Works? Isn't that the guy that charts all the flights and all that stuff? Let's see. Sony's here. Hey, Sony. Susie, the sea goddess. Uh, she was here yesterday, but had hands full with morning chores. And my two new kittens, Loki and Juno. How about that? See, we're on a cat theme here. I'm feeling it. Uh, I remember Monkey Works was a one of those big sites that was happening, like post election with oh, Lynn Wood and um, uh, Sydney Powell. Was it Sydney Powell like leaning on Monkey Works? It was the whole that thing was really weird. Looking back on it, it's so fucking weird. What's going on, Mark? I'm not saying Monkey Works isn't a bad site, by the way. I just think the whole thing was weird. Um, Mark M is here. Good to see you. You are still on the... Look, the yacht is is going to be out to sea until it, it cools down a bit. I've made the 
uh, the executive, I've made the commander's decision. The commander says the yacht stays out until the hot goes out. That's how it is. We got yacht till it's hot. Untie that knot. Let's see who else we have here. Uh, has anyone else been keeping up with weirdness around the color magenta? Uh-huh. Yes, that's been coming up a bit, hasn't it? It reminds me of a Mink DeVille record called Return to Magenta. Ooh, another rabbit hole. Anna Sophia is here. Nice to see you, Anna. Hope you're doing well today. It's always a pleasure seeing you here. We're getting shout-outs within Chataria. Uh, we all watched our Platinum Queen light up a tree from her green. The scheme was magenta, so soon we'll all rent uh, some space in the great in her great world machine. Yeah, that was weird. Great, great shakes. It's a yacht sea. It is a yacht sea. Sailing the seas of yacht. Uh, let's see who else we have here. Mm, 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 mm. Birdie's here. Bonjour, Birdie. Holy cats, I know, right? That is meow. Favorite background for Robert. Tondar has taken the background. Hi, Tondar. Good to see you. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Jasper's doing better. He's doing better. He's on the road to recovery. Oh, I could, I could DJ. I, could, I know I could DJ. This goes out to all you people out there who are suffering from a little melody called a broken heart. And uh, we all know that in reality, you're the real wounded warriors of the world. And we're here to help soothe and heal and create a little balm for that broken little heart of yours. Up next, Al Jarreau. We're in this love together. Those cats look like they are all judging me. They judge us all the time, Timothy. All the time. They look, they look upon us with either uh, feigned desire or scorn. One of the two. Let's see who else we have. Uh, but but Thor, Thor, what's going on, Steve? Good to see you. I remember watching the player. I, you know, the player is a weird movie. It's one of those weird kind of everything Altman does is disassociative. I heard he was a huge pot smoker. Not that you all pot smokers are disassociative, but it lends a certain ironic distance to the environment. Uh, let's see. When I think of boss guys, I think of Bob James football. Bob James is a is a, an outlier of yacht, for sure. Let's see. Who else do we have? I wonder if they got the cat. Do they were just wait? No, Morris was trained. That is the Morris the cat who needs a star on the Hollywood 
Well, look at look at Fran. I wonder if that is Morris the cat. Fran is all over it. All over it. That cat deserves I'm I'm right? I mean, that cat was fucking bang on with everything. And you know how cats are not trainable. Morris the cat was he was rescued from a shelter in St. Louis, by the way. Totally deserves an Oscar. Hats off to so the guy who rescued Morris, I think he owned the two following Morris's too, but there's really only one. The chop with the cake, <laughs> I know, right? Um, hey, what's going on, JMP Love? We are still in the small talk phase. That's right. Cool cat. I hope he got his breakfast after that. He got plenty of breakfast. Chad, I don't, I have no idea about the, the technical question there. Hey, there's Lynn. If you gave Jasper the remedy, I sent you, he'd be fine. Pay attention. Okay, Lynn. We've been giving him lots of remedies. We put Jasper on the rife machine this weekend. Arlene Vega, what's happening? Good to see you. Uh, let's see. You always get the weirdos working. It's true, right, Tondar? That's so true. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? What a catastrophe. I think Mr. Ed probably has a star in the Walk of Fame. I don't know if Francis the Mule does. I just love the calico with the black hat and yellow collar. It's still not the new moon in Leo, but I thought it was. We're, we're ramping up to it. We're ramping up to it. Look at Fran. So it was more good call, Fran. I heard Morris and Benji room together at US. Oh, that's funny. That is really funny. Only us fo old fogies. So Morris the cat was also the, the uh, spokes cat for Purina in the UK. And the trainer of Morris in the UK was also the voice of Morris. And his name happened to be Johnny Morris. How does that happen? The odds. The odds. Uh, that's why we got LA Bliss. She, gotta, she has to get our vote. That's true. Let's nominate Jasper as Morris the lookalike. I know. I've been playing him that, that, that clip to get him motivated. Leo the Lion MGM was a Hollywood cat, definitely. So should more. I agree. Ah, Janine, you're too kind. Jasper's more handsome. Yeah, I think, I think uh, Morris is a different version of Tabby. That's what I think. Uh, let's see, who else? Did I say hi to you, Sony? If not, is Key Gong in the house? Key Gong's in the house too. Oh, let's see. I think it's conscious or something. President seems off to me. Uh, so you guys are talking about monkey works. Okay. Low key, low key, high 99 Fahrenheit today in Oregon. I have no AC, but live near rivers. Yeah, you go out there, catch a little nature. That's that's a good thing to do. 
Uh, Garrett Brooks is here. Morning, Garrett. Good to see you. Welcome to the show. Let's see who else. Who else? Who else? Who else do we have? Did I miss anybody here on the old roll call? Beth Barry, double B. Wow, we got a great chat today. Great chat today. Um, mm -mm -mm. The wave. Oh yeah, the wave is a format. That was a format. That was definitely a format, for sure. There's a Moon Venus conjunction day. Ten Cancer. That means go out and take care of your cats. Love your cats. Yeah, I can see that cat, <coughs> that calico right there, with the uh, little yellow. Yellow uh, color. All right. Enough of the uh, pitter patter. Enough pitter patter. Now we're going to get into it. It's fucking hot yesterday. Hot today. So I wanted to experience the heat. I'm like, you know, you're so fucking privileged, Robert. You have air conditioning. Get out there and experience the heat like other people do. So I did that yesterday. I took my car in. That's a whole other story. Uh, to get, guess what? Ironically, the air conditioning fixed because I had to get a new radiator. The two are linked together. So I dropped it off. You guys were here yesterday. I said, I got to go. And I dropped it off. So I brought my computer, brought a bunch of stuff. And I'm going to go to a coffee place in... Um, Fredericksburg, so I can sit down and do that shit. Um, so I walked. I walked a mile and a half. Doesn't sound like much. In the heat, let me tell you, that mile and a half was hot. It was hot. And it was still pretty early in the morning. I think I got to the Cafe, like maybe 11-ish, I think. So I stayed there for a while. And then it, I, I got to walk back to the place. Now, this is in the afternoon. And so it was another mile. So I walked three miles yesterday, of course, with a, uh, a brief interlude of an espresso and some sparkling water. And, uh, and then I... I walked back to the place and it was hotter in the afternoon, but I got my sea legs under me a little bit from the walk. So even though it was hotter on the return, the actual walk itself was easier because I got my legs under me. And I got to say, you know, a shout out to a fellow human. Just as I'm walking up to the, uh, the mechanics. This woman pulls over and asks me if I want a ride. And she's, you know, again, kind of driving a slightly ratty car. Um, and I would describe her as being maybe late 40 something, um, Hispanic. And I mean, literally, I was like 15 feet away from the place. 
but she offered me a ride. And I was like, you know, that's cool. There's still good humans in the world. And I asked myself, well, what if she had offered you a ride a mile ago? Would you have taken it? And I, and my answer in that moment in my head was no, I wouldn't have taken it. And not because the car was bad or I thought it was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to walk and I need to get out there and, and um, prostrate myself underneath the white hot sun. I was burning off my white guilt. That's really what it was about. I was burning off my white guilt. It's like all these people that are on the side of the road and they're working and they're in the sun, right? I'm like, I'm going to experience some of their limitation and pain. And then I'm going to burn it off. It was, it was my, my metaphysical exercise for the day, literally and figuratively. And then I got the radiator. I, the whole radiator thing is a whole other story. It cost me more than I thought it would. Isn't that always the case, though? What have you ever gone to the mechanic and said, guess what? You're going to pay less. Uh, really? Oh, wow. That's great. When does that ever fucking happen? Maybe once it might've happened to me. Maybe once. Usually it's not what happens. So I actually bought a radiator to take down there. That was part of the deal. It's like, cause I know how much these radiators cost and I got the wrong fucking radiator wrong radiator because I have a special engine. Apparently I didn't know that I have these coolant valves. So I had a radiator without one of the coolant valves. So they had to get the right. I, I get it. I totally get it. It's like $400 for the radiator. You're thinking, nah, first world problems. What are you going to do when they take your car away? Well, that's why I was walking. I was trying to understand that. Um, but it wasn't really sitting well with me. You know, it's like, fuck, you know, I'm paying. I bought the radiator, I bought it was $170. Now I'm paying $400. It's like, ugh. You know, it's one of those moments where you grind it, you grind a little bit. So I, I you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, shit, if I'm paying $400, this fucking radiator. I want a receipt and I want, and I want a, and I want a warranty. So I, I go up and I know the guy who works. He's a nice young guy. He's always been cool to me. And, you know, I was the boomer dick yesterday. I hate to say it. I was the boomer dick. And then I, I said, where, where did you get it? So we got it at Napa. So I went online. I went to Napa, the one in town. They had the, they had the same radiator with the same specs for $260. So $140 less. Did you see this? It's not his fault, right? It's not his fault. I'm not blaming him for picking the more expensive radiator that was available. The less expensive radiator that met the specs was available. That's on me. That's on me. I'm taking responsibility for that. I should have got online. Where are you getting it from? Oh, uh, we're getting it from Napa. Okay, let me go there. Did you know that there's this? There's this. 
there's this one. Oh, right. Get this one. Because the level of service now, if you find somebody and it's not his fault, right? It's, it's not his fault. I'm just being straight up here. The level of service now is not great. Not great. It's just about taking that little extra step. Uh, Mr. Morris, uh, you got the wrong radiator. Uh, good news is that there's a couple at uh, Napa. There's one for 400 and uh, one for looks like 260. And they're both available today. A little extra step. But people aren't, they're not trained. They're not trained that way. It's usually, you know, do the bare minimum, do the bare minimum well. And I got to hand it to that kid. He's been there for a long time. So it's not like he's, and I like him. He's a good kid. Even though his name is Damien. Damien. Okay. Let's get serious. Let's fucking get serious here. So there's a couple different themes today with the show. I'm going to talk about social programming. Hey, I mentioned that. And uh, this came across my radar today. And it kind of blows my mind. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. This popular painkiller also kills kindness. Oh. If your job or simply your state of mind depends on feeling empathy for others, you might want to reconsider reaching for the Tylenol the next time you have a headache. Okay, think about this for a second. This is an article that is indicting Tylenol, but, but more specifically, acetaminophen. This is from 2016. And it was written by a nut. No, truly, Amy Ellis Nut, N-U-T-T. If your job or simply your state of mind depends on feeling empathy for others, you might want to reconsider reaching for the next time for, for the Tylenol next time you have a headache. In research published online in the journal Social Cognitive and Effective Neuroscience, scientists from the National Institutes of Health and Ohio State University describe the results of two experiments they conducted involving more than 200 college students. Their conclusion, acetaminophen, the most common drug ingredient in the United States can reduce a person's capacity to empathize with another person's pain, whether that pain is physical or emotional. So I'm going to read through this and then we're going to talk about the big picture effect here. We don't know why acetaminophen is having these effects, but it is concerning Senior author Baldwin Way, an Ohio State psychologist, said in a statement, empathy is important. If you're having an argument with your spouse and you just took acetaminophen, this research suggests that you might be less understanding of what you did to hurt your spouse's feelings. In the first experiment, 80 participants were asked to drink a liquid. Half the subjects received something containing 1,000 milligrams of acetaminophen. The other half got something without the drug. After an hour, all subjects were asked to rate the pain experienced by characters in eight different fictional scenarios. 
In some of the stories, the character went through a physical trauma, in others, an emotional trauma. In general, those subjects who have taken the acetaminophen rated the pain of the characters as less severe than those who had taken the placebo. A second experiment exposed participants to brief blasts of white noise. They were then asked to rate the pain of another anonymous study participant who'd been subjected to the unpleasant sounds. Again, those who received the acetaminophen rated the other person's pain as being less severe compared to students who drank the placebo liquid. As a further test in which participants had to judge online skits involving social rejection, they split along the same lines as in the noise experiment. <clears throat> so now we've got three experiments that show that people are less open to the suffering of others after taking Tylenol, basically. In this case, participants had a chance to empathize with the suffering of someone who thought who they thought was going through a socially painful experience. Way said, still those who took acetaminophen showed a reduction in empathy. They weren't as concerned about the rejected person's hurt feelings. The two experiments build on previous studies identifying a brain region that appears to be, uh, to be key to a person's empathetic response. The anterior insula, located deep in the folds between the front and the side of the brain, is where mind and body are integrated. It also plays a key role in human awareness, including emotional awareness. The less pain a person feels, the less able he or she is to empathize with someone else's. So with, with acetaminophen, it can reduce your bodily pain symptoms. But on the other side, it, it also reduces your ability to empathize with another person's pain. Wow, that's kind of mind-blowing. Acetaminophen is an ingredient in more than 600 different medicines, according uh, to the Consumer Healthcare Products Association. About a quarter of all Americans take acetaminophen every week. This popular painkiller also kills kindness. Let's see that. There it is. Amy Ellis Nutt. Tylenol. She's talking about Tylenol. So there we go. We don't know why acetaminophen is having these effects, but it is concerning. Let me get rid of this. Senior author Baldwin Way, an Ohio State psychologist, said in the statement, empathy is important. If you're having an argument with your spouse and you just can see the benefit, this research suggests that you might be less understanding. Isn't this interesting? So it's basically a kind of a reprint of the other article. So what does this mean in terms of the big picture? And what are the long-term effects of acetaminophen? That's the other component here. I mean, even if it's not long-term effects, let's say, for instance, you down a couple of Tylenol so that you can, you know, quote, unquote, deal with your pain, your inflammation, whatever that is. And you're an asshole as a result. Right? And it affects somebody else. And then that interaction affects that person who affects somebody else because of that interaction. And then there's this whole downstream effect. And then somewhere downstream, it hits another person who's dosing on Tylenol. 
And then it gets spun around and kicked back out again and maybe an even more kind of callous. You know what I mean? Like there's the whole downstream effect of all this stuff. And that that's just in the moment. What happens over long-term use? Does long-term use of acetaminophen dull one's experience towards empathy for long periods of time? Is that why we live now in a society of consensual sociopathology? There, and I used to think, and I do still think that, that um, sociopathology is viral. Like in order to get ahead in the world, you generally theoretically have to become sociopathological to, to some degree. And I think a large degree because you look around and you say, well, this person's successful and this person's successful. It was funny. I was, you know, I like going out. I don't, I don't get out enough. I'm, I'm kind of a shut in here in the country a lot of the time and I'm working, but I was, over, I overheard a conversation yesterday. And I was at the cafe. I was a young guy. I would say probably early 30s, maybe maybe 29, 30, something around there. Maybe late 20s, early 30s. Nice, full, dark beard. And he was sitting down and he was talking to this other guy. And he was talking about, he has something to do with commercial real estate. I'm sorry, I, I listen to people. It's the way it is. It had something to do with commercial real estate. And he was trying to hook this guy up with a restaurant space here in town. And he was talking about um, this one restaurant that's going to become available. And then I heard that and little, you know, pitter-patter, chitter-chatter. And then I overheard young beard guy talking about his life. And um, he lives in a part of this town, which isn't a part of this town. It's called Boot Ranch. And Boot Ranch is where um, a bunch of rich fucks live. And they have a they have a golf course out. It's like their little you know clubhouse. I mean, it's their oasis. They created this oasis. And they did a deal, Boot Ranch did a deal with the city for the city's water a while back when the current mayor was the last mayor, okay? Or the mayor then during that time. So Boot Ranch gets a shit ton of water from the city and just completely just wipes out the water table for the city. And of course, now we're going through this big water crisis. And Boot Ranch isn't even incorporated they're not even incorporated. They may pay for the city water. I don't know, but they're not even incorporated. They're their own, their own entity. So here's where my head goes, right? Here's this young guy. He's 29th and he's living out in fucking boot ranch. Like, how does this happen? And then I go through this script in my head. So does this guy understand what's going on with the water? Does he understand what's going on? That there's this extreme imbalance that a bunch of really wealthy people have managed to socially engineer for their little oases outside of town? Maybe. But then what goes along with that mindset? Well, the, and I thought about this, right? I mean, I spent a long time walking 
back to the garage. So you think about things, at least I do. I'm like, well, what would my life, how would my life had been different if I had the goal to live in a place like Boot Ranch? Because some people have that goal. Like, like, uh, and I try to get my, my, I wouldn't call it empathy. It's my, my desire to understand the human condition. So I tried to get inside of his head. Like, what is the motivating factor for this guy? Did he grow up with that? Is that just a natural um, evolution that he both genetically and epigenetically inherited? Or did he not grow up with that? Because sometimes when people don't grow up with that, that's what they want. And then what are the motivating factors around the consciousness around that? Like, does he take Tylenol? Does he take acetaminophen? Or is he aware of it? And then unbeknownst to me has another side of him that is compassionate, empathetic, maybe even philanthropic to some degree. So I was, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about what goes on in somebody's head like that. So if you're really aware, if you're really painfully conscious and aware, you see this stuff, you understand it. And it takes a interesting flip of the switch for a person to be able to say yes, quote unquote, to success. And at the same time, not shut down their capacity to be human, right? This is the big dance that, you know, people will do. So a lot of people will take the, the kind of viral sociopathological path and they say, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will right? Like that's the George Soros effect. Supposedly that's what George Soros said when he was on 60 minutes, when he was a kid and he was selling out his fellow Jews in Poland to the Nazis. Well, if I don't do it, somebody else would have done it. Right? So there's that, that's part of the viral component saying, yeah, fuck, somebody else will do it. Why not? You know, I'll do it. I'll get the goodies. And I'm not saying that that's how that guy is wired, but I was, I was curious because usually when you see somebody that lives in that place, boot ranch, they're older. They're like in their late fifties, early sixties, even seventies. It's like, you know, old dudes go out there and they get to play, you know, King and they get to go golf and they get to, you know, steal the city's water and they have a pool and you know, that's like, they're, they're, they're a little geriatric playground, but they play a little pickleball out there. Um, so why is this young guy living there? And I'm sure he's not the only one, by the way. But what's the motivating factor? Anyway, it was just a series of thoughts that I had. And again, I thought to myself, well, could I have ever done that? Could I have said to myself, well, gee, I really want to live in a place like Boot Ranch and I want to be a, a, a restaurant space broker or whatever the fuck it is. I can honestly say, you know, the answer to that is no. I never really had that motivation, although I did like money. And I'll tell you what I did like. I did like selling things. And this is a perfect opportunity for me to talk about, guess what? True hemp science. You know why? Because true hemp science isn't Tylenol. That's why it's not Tylenol. It deals with inflammation. CBD deals with inflammation. See how I did that? 
me do a little true him signings picture. I love, by the way, I freaking love Chris's new landing page. It's so relaxing, right? It is so yacht. This is like Amazon yacht right here. It's got to be a new subgenre, Amazon yacht. I mean, doesn't it, wouldn't you just love to be in this place right now without the mosquitoes, no bugs. And if they're bugs, they're friendly bugs. They're really interesting bugs you'll never see anywhere else, but you know that they won't fucking kill you or bring some kind of, you know, weird neurotoxin into your system. Look at that. This is beautiful. This is uh, True Hemp Science, and this is their website. And if you missed Chris on the Friday show, um, it was really great. And here's their products, edibles, oils, pets, water-soluble, all kinds of goodies, right? They have CBD gluten-free chocolates. How about that? You guys tried those? Benefits, reward. So you go to uh, truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. That gets you in and you get $100 worth of uh, True Hemp Science CBD. So you don't have to take Tylenol. So you can uh, hold on to your empathy. You'll get some goodies. You'll get uh, some free stuff thrown in. And you guys have been great. Look at that. You can get free delivery for orders, $150 or more. How about that? That is truly an American business and service. And I, you know, and, and I, and I, you know, Chris has a high degree of empathy. I think it has to do with the fact that he probably does CBD instead of acetaminophen. This acetaminophen thing is really, now think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. We have had decades and decades of Tylenol and the human condition. Let's just be, have an honest conversation between me and you and the cats behind me. The human condition has really deteriorated. Like we are at a place now where people don't give a shit about anything, really. Most people, not everybody. I have to have a qualifier there. Why is that? Like, why is that happening? It's the social condition. And could something like acetaminophen, which is ostensibly there to reduce physical pain, could it be part of this open program of drugging the fucking public in socially engineering and socially programming people to care less? Could that be part of the problem? Now, I brought up CBD as an alternative to acetaminophen. There's others. Kratom is another one. Um, what else? I think aspirin is plain willow, willow bark. Um, that's another one. So there are alternatives for your um, for your for your pain. There used to be used to be able to get aspirin with coding and that was according to dr joan that was probably the best uh solution for pain she used to she used to prescribe that can't get it anymore so if you got your teeth worked on 
and you were, you know, you were in pain here, aspirin and um, codeine mix. I think I remember that, but you can't get it anymore. So think about, God, it's got to be half the freaking population at this point taking fucking Tylenol and acetaminophen. And what would happen if people stopped? Could they regain their empathy or does it, does it have long-term effects? See, that's the question that I'm interested in are the long-term effects. So if you're taking Tylenol now, you may want to really rethink that. And there are people who've taken Tylenol on the other side of drinking. It's actually been deadly for them. Their liver shut down. That's how dangerous Tylenol can be. So this was um, this was something that I stumbled across, and I thought it would be a worthwhile conversation for us. Because we talk about these things, right? We talk about why things are the way they are. Why? How did we get to this place where things are so fucked up? And there's many, 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 many different um, variables, integers, whatever you want to call them. But this could be a huge one. I mean, it sets the psychological and emotional framework for people to not give a shit. I think that's a, that's a, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So I guess the bottom line here is get off acetaminophen. Aleve is better. Apparently. I'm just trying to think back in my life, like all the times that I've taken time, probably a lot. And was I uh, less empathetic during those times? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. So let's uh, shift gears a little bit here. Uh, we had somebody go off the rails yesterday. This is really weird. This was in uh, Love Field in Dallas. I started following it uh, when it broke. Female bank robber, 37, who sparked terror at Dallas Love Field Airport by opening fire at baggage check-in area and sending passengers diving for cover. Portia Odufwa, Odufwa, 37, fired multiple shots into the air, the baggage check-in area of the airport. Terrified passengers were seen hiding under chairs amid the airport chaos. A police officer at the scene engaged with the female shooter, injuring her. She was taken to Parkland Memorial Hospital. By the way, that's where they took JFK. Isn't that interesting? Um, of course, we had Parkland in Illinois. So there's this whole Parkland overlap. And if I'm not mistaken, JFK came into, he flew into Love Field when he was here in 1963. The suspect was the only person injured in the shooting at the airport, police confirmed. Federal Aviation Administration has grounded all flights at the airport 
uh, in Texas as police continue their investigation. So there she is. There's Miss Odufwa. Now, the weird thing is that she was in the bathroom. A woman who fired several shots in the air near a ticket counter in Dallas Love Field Airport before she was shot by police has been pictured. Portia Adufua, 37, opened fire and shot several rounds of a handgun just before 11 a.m. this morning as terrified passengers hit under chairs. In fact, we know that part. Okay, she was taken to Parkland. Okay, let's keep going. Dallas Chief of Police Eddie Garcia said the 37-year-old woman, later identified as Adufua, went into the restroom. Where, where have we heard that before? We heard that at the mall in Greenwood, Indiana, where the shooter was in the restroom for an hour before coming out and guns blazing. Now, I think what happened here is that she picked up the gun in the restroom. That's what I think. Uh, let me read this again. Dallas Police Chief, Chief of Police Eddie Garcia, said that the 37-year-old woman, later identified as Odufo, went into the restroom at the airport for emergency with a gun and firing most of the shots at the ceiling. Well, why the fuck would she do that? Did her programming break down? Did she malfunction? Did her brain misfire? According to reports, Odufo was previously known to authorities after being arrested for robbing a bank in Wiley, Texas in 2019. That's not long ago. All I have to say about this woman is, is keep her away from a restaurant that charges extra for the sauce. That's all I have to say. You don't, you don't want her at a restaurant where, where they charge extra for the sauce. So that's Love Field. I think this is the home of Southwest Airlines, isn't it? This is the hub for Southwest. There's grandpa, grandma. Of course, grandpa's got a mask. Grandma's got a mask. You know what? Yesterday, again, this is blowing my mind. There's some mask, maskless bandits. No problem getting in today. Line clear. This whole thing is weird. Just evacuated out of Love Field after her parents shooting. Family is safe. TSA did a great job. Yay, TSA. Fucking A, TSA. One witness posting a video of the chaotic scene. Social media wrote, what just happened? This is weird. Weird, 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 weird. Weird. Very strange. Max Garone, chief of police of Rockwell, was at the airport at the time. Oh, how convenient. That is very convenient. Told his followers that he was evacuated following the shooting. What does he have, a fucking religion? Told his followers?
I was evacuated after the shooting. And I am fine. I look forward to seeing the rest of you back at our compound. What the fuck? It told this followers. That's weird. He praised TSA for doing a great job. Hey, there's a lot of TSA at Love Field. I Did I show you guys my TSA story? So we went to Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, get the pat down. Pat down. I'm a pat down guy. It's because I like feeling the backhand of another man up against the inseam of my pants. I've actually asked what would happen if I identified as woman or female. What would happen then? I did ask him that. So you get the pat down and I have my cheap little fucking dollar 98 gas monkey garage pocket knife attached to my keychain. Oops. Go ahead, keep it. I don't care. I'm going to get an upgrade anyway. So then you go through the pat down. They take the, the thing, right? You know, that thing. And they put it in the, the reader. So I tested uh, positive for some a substance that I shouldn't have tested positive for. And not me and my blood, but on my person. And um, it was funny as hell. I remembered that the shirt that I, I was wearing, I had gone to a practice range. Hello? And wore to the practice range. I even told the guy that, oh, yeah, I wore this shirt to the practice range. And I'd been talking to him. You know, he's he was an okay human. We talked about Training Day. One of his favorite films, by the way. So, um it worked out okay. But moral of the story, after you go to the practice range, make sure you wash your shirts. It's not a shirt I wear very often. And it wasn't like I, I, I was uh, heavily perspiring into that shirt. It's like, hey, no stains, recycle. Just make sure you uh, take care of your practice range attire. So this thing in, in Dallas now, Love Field. I love the TSA. Boy, they're important, those TSA people. What the fuck happened there? Why would she just fire shots into the ceiling? The whole thing is just absolutely and utterly bizarre. And of course, she's not going to fit the profile of a shooter that the media would pick up on. They're not going to talk about it. Do you think the view is going to talk about that? No. No. What's what's her name? Uh, the Sally Jesse Raphael clone. The comedian. She wouldn't talk about it. Did you see the shooting in Dallas at Love Field? Oh my God. Oh my God. There was a woman who came out of the bathroom and she started firing shots in the air. We can't have this. We can't have this. They would, they would say, well, Lisa was a woman. Lisa was a woman with a gun. 
See, I'm empathetic. Women should be able to carry guns. In fact, most women, in my humble opinion, would benefit from receiving handgun training. Because you're defenseless in the world, for the most part. For the most part. There are some women who are badasses. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there are some women who are, you know, BJJ, uh, MMA, certified, qualified, take care of business. There are, but the majority of women aren't. So a couple of things will happen with handgun training. By the way, I, I, I helped Jay's wife out with this. It was very empowering for Sharon. Very empowering. I'm not going to get into details. Empowering, that's kind of an unintended pun, by the way. Um, but it is empowering. Like, if you're a woman and you can understand, like, you know, how to work with a handgun, whether it's, a, you know, single fire, uh, center fire or a revolver, like, it gives you a certain amount of confidence. It's like it's like mastering the phallus in a lot of ways. No, that's just a kind of a joke. But there is a lot of confidence there for anybody. By the way, anybody, man or woman, if you understand how to how to respectfully understand how these things work. Number one, it makes you less afraid of them, and number two, it is pretty empowering. It's like a skill that you can acquire. And I'm, I definitely think that women um, would would benefit from this. And in a state where, you know, you can uh, constitutionally carry, I, I highly recommend it. You know, so what, I mean, I think airports are gun-free zones anyway. So I'm not sure what that would have really accomplished. You know, you can't really say, well, they're doing this to make it a gun. It's already a gun-free zone. I don't know what the... <clears throat> excuse me, upside or benefit would be to program this woman to go in and do that, except for maybe high five the TSA. But there, there is this weird thing, right? There's this weird thing that is connected to Kennedy though. And there is, um, there was a shooter that did something. Let's see if I can find this. Mm. All right. Something happened three weeks before um, Kennedy got shot. And it was kind of a crazy person like this woman. And then you have the overlap with Kennedy <clears throat> at Love Field going to Highland Park Memorial, the same hospital that treated Kennedy. I'm going to try to find it so that tomorrow I can bring it up and reference it again. So is this thing a harbinger of something that's coming? You know, it would be really easy to stage um, 
an assassination attempt or an assassination with Biden. Be very easy. Today, with all the uh, technology, deep fakes, it, it wouldn't be that hard. What would happen if they decided to get rid of Biden and say, okay, well, let's just roll it into an assassination or assassination attempt? What would happen if they did that? Real or not, right? We're just... We're, we're just, you know, teasing open the idea that this could happen. Biden would be a martyr. They'd be able to replace him. Anything related to gun control, pow, it, it would get slammed through. Absolutely slammed through. Like that would be the, the, the coup de grace, right? The absolute coup de grace. They could rig it up because there's so much of this psychological, you know, front loading with January 6th and, you know, these manifestos and the white supremacists, all you fucking hear. And then you have some, you know, either programmed wacko or some program, period, and it has, you know, the entire cookie trail, the manifesto, the this, the that, the AR, whatever it is, right? And all of a sudden, Biden is gone. What do you think that does for the quote unquote Democrats during the midterms? They will shout down anybody, anybody who refuses gun control. Now you have a whole platform of theoretical Democrats running against a whole platform of theoretical Republicans. And this whole issue becomes the issue. And it's the issue that allowed them to remove Joe Biden from office. And it becomes a politically loaded, pardon the pun, issue. I mean, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. And this event with this woman has, it's weird. It's like a really weird event. And the connections with Kennedy, who flew into Love Field, and who was treated at Highland Park. That's like weird, right? Weird shit. And then you have the echo of Highland Park in Illinois with Bobby Crimo and his Where's Oswaldo? And then the Lee Harvey Oswald um, clipping in back of him is one of, one of his videos. So the whole The whole connection is very, very strange. I personally think that we need to be on a high alert for Biden around this whole thing with Biden. Because let's be honest, it's TikTok. The, you know, the clock is running here. Um, the stuff with Hunter Biden, whether it's, you know, the smutty crack porn or the, the really the, the much more egregious stuff, which is being on the payroll, being extorted, these no-bid contracts, money going to his dad, the big, all that stuff is out there too. It's all out there. And it's just a powder keg waiting to go off. So they have, they have to cauterize this thing. They have to cauterize the Biden experience. And could they, could they fake it? Sure. Absolutely. 100%. But they have to be very careful because there are people who, um, are really good at spotting the fakery. But I think it's an issue. 
And it was three weeks after that crazy person started firing. It was, it was strangely connected. It'll come to me. I'll have it tomorrow. It was, it was three weeks after that event. So this would be uh, sometime in August, right? It would be uh, right around August 20th, right around there. Anyway, food for thoughts. God forbid. But we can see all the front loading that's been going on and the taking place. And that would, you know, that would be a politically expedient wet dream. How do you run against that? How do you run against that? You, it's almost impossible to run against. So by bringing it up here, maybe, just maybe, we're um, talking about something. We're, we're defusing something. We're, we're taking it out of the event canon from the future. Why not? I would not like to say, hey, remember when I when I talked about that? I sure as fuck don't want to say that. Because that's not anything anybody wants to really go through. Nope. So um, where is this? All right, check this out. So today, you know, I sometimes I forget that I have an Instagram page. And I, and I went onto Instagram, my Instagram page, and I saw this post from 20, I think it was 2017. So five years ago, you got to see this post. I should probably uh, do more here. So this is, you can see my Instagram. There's, it's not anything really tremendous. Uh, this is when Uranus and Aries was going to Uranus and Taurus. And so I had a lot of, Imagery, you know, with the ram and the bull and things like that. But this was kind of interesting right here. This was, um, so it's 251 or 61 weeks ago. Visa offering 500K to restaurants to go cashless. This aligns with Uranus and Taurus 2018 and the radical shift in money. Wondering how young country eateries feel about this. Well, they don't give a fuck. I can tell you that right now. They don't care. No carry. But we were talking about this way back then, right? Talked about Bitcoin. Bitcoin could be uh, poised to become the new digital currency or some other state-sponsored crypto, but without the privacy. See, we've been having these fucking discussions for a long time. A long time. That was six years ago. And here we are. And now those discussions are front and center. So what's the moral of the story? Moral of the story is that if you have some eyes to, you know, see what's happening, you'll see it. You know, you'll, you'll see the, the, the freight train coming at you from the future. What is it? Um, it's either the light at the end of the tunnel or it's a freight train headed your way, right? You don't know which one it is until you get closer to it. That's kind of that's kind of true, actually. And I and I think, you know, and maybe they're both. Maybe the freight train is the light at the end of the tunnel. 
maybe by us seeing it, you know, we can figure it out. Get out of the tunnel. Um, I think that's about it for today. I wish I had some more good cat material for you before we, you know, I want to call the Hollywood uh, chamber of commerce, but they're not open till 9am fucking slackers in California. And of course the show will be over in uh, seven minutes. So maybe I'll just call them later in the day and find out why they don't have any stars for cats. I just think about that. No Morris. You gotta be kidding me. Morris is iconic. I think I probably need to have a call with Purina as well. You know, so what if they brought Morris back, but he would have a different voice? What if you uh, named him? I don't know. It's got to be Morris. You got to have Morris. Can't you can't change the name? I was trying to not make it so a- anglicized. Although Morris is not an anglicized name, you know, some of you might know that's my actual driver's license name, my government name. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget one time I was at Safeway in Oakland, big fucking Safeway in uh, Oakland, and I was, I was checking out. And I think I had my debit card or something like that. And um, the the bagger, who happened to be black, said, oh, that's my last name. We might be related. <laughs> I'm like, you never know, right? You never know. We go back far enough, we just might be related. So uh, I'll leave you with that. You never know who you might be related to, for good or worse, for better or ill. All right. Take good care. We'll be back here tomorrow. Um, Don't forget, we have the Hill Country Harvest event. And if you want to vote for Lisa, I think Tom put the link in the chat. Uh, Let's see if we can get her to the next round. That'd be awesome. It'd be great if she did a shout out to Chataria. On the, on the Hollywood. You know what I found out? You guys know who Hope Easton is. Sometimes she drops in. She came to the event two years ago. Hope is doing the same thing. Hope is trying to get to uh, same stage, Hollywood Bowl. She told me that yesterday. Her She has a group called uh, Hope and the Russians because everyone in the band is Russian, apparently, except for Hope. And I said, if you really want to win, you need to change the name of that band. She said, the what? I said, hope in the Ukrainians. And she laughed a little bit. Actually, she laughed more than a little bit. All right, I'm out of here. Um, see you tomorrow. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to set what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Take good care. And don't forget to love your cat. It's very important. Very, very important. There, there are our, our, our little spirit protectors. Dogs too. I love, I'm, I'm, I'm a big dog guy. All right. Take care. Bye for now. Ciao.